We are on Yavamos, Lamed Vav, Amadav 36A1, on the bottom line of, in the Art School Gemara, turning to 36A2 in the Art School Gemara. We essentially are discussing the dispute between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish, uh, the dispute about the scenario of Chalitza or Yibam taking place when the sister-in-law is pregnant. So we do not know whether or not she will have a healthy child, uh, a viable child, uh, in which if it is a healthy child, so then there's no need for Yibam or Chalitza because there is a continuation from that first marriage. According to Rabbi Yochanan, uh, nevertheless, if Chalitza or Yibam takes place and it is not a, it's not a healthy baby, either there's a miscarriage or the baby passes away, uh, unfortunately, shortly after birth, uh, so then the Chalitza or Yibam uh, which which happened while she was pregnant, uh, is viewed as a good chalitzer yibam. According to Rish Lakish, it is not. It is not a good chalitzer yibam, and therefore chalitza or yibam would have to take place uh, after the miscarriage. So the Gemara now comments. The Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar says, Asher Isa lahadu Rish Lakish, v'lot nan la b'mas nisen, with a little bit of background, in general, we follow the position of Rabbi Yochanan. When Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish have a dispute, so we follow the position of Rabbi Yochanan. It happens to be that this is one of the cases where we follow the position of Rish Lakish. And Rabbi Lazar seemingly adds and says, is it possible that we follow the position of Rish Lakish without having any sort of source, any uh, Mishnah, any source from a Mishnah or a Brisa which supports Rish Lakish? There's, there has to be some Mishnah which supports of the position of Reish Lakish. So, so he looked into it, he investigated, and he found that there really was a Mishnah. There is a Mishnah which supports Reish Lakish. And he says that the Mishnah says as follows, Ditnan. Uh, the Mishnah says later on in this tractate, in the Mishnah that says, the following scenario, So we have a scenario where there is a husband who is married to two women, uh, he has two women. They're co-wives, referred to as co-wives to each other. And one of the one of the, let's say Rachel and Leah, Rachel stays where she is, and the husband uh, travels afar overseas with the other co-wife. So the husband travels with Leah. Rachel stays where she is, and they tell her, "You should know that your husband passed away. They didn't have any children. She, they didn't have any children. He didn't have any children with either wife." Uh, before they left, and they said your husband passed away. So the law is, she now is not allowed to marry anybody. A, she's not allowed to marry anybody. And she's also not allowed to do Yibam. It's it's forbidden for her to do Yibam. Why? Until we know, says the Mishnah, that the co-wife does not have, uh, maybe she's pregnant. So we want to make sure. Does she have children? Does she not have children? She, The co-wife, Leah, traveled with the husband, and so we don't know if they had children, if they didn't have children. They traveled afar, and it's been many months or years uh, since they came home, and so we just don't know if they had children. What's interesting is that in the context of that Mishnah, uh, the point is that we do not assume, we have to find out whether or not she was pregnant or if she had any children. Uh, but we, we are not concerned that maybe the husband married somebody else. Maybe the husband ended up marrying somebody else, and she has, he has children with that other wife, that we're not concerned for. We don't go so far as to be concerned for that. But we are concerned that maybe with the wife that we know about, we know that he traveled with with one wife, with Leah, that maybe she became uh, pregnant. And that would impact whether or not she's obligated to do Yibam or not. So if she didn't have children, so then there is an obligation to do Yibam. If she did have children, uh, so then 
uh, the, Rachel is allowed to marry whoever she wants. And if she's pregnant, well, that's what our Gemara is about to get into. What happens if she's still pregnant? Uh, so the Gemara says as follows, I understand why you cannot do Yibam, uh, because maybe uh, they had a child, and it's a healthy child, and then it, if you, it's not in the context of Yibam. It means that they already had, she already had a child before he passed away. And then to do Yibam would be a violation, it would be a prohibition of marrying your brother-in-law, which is a prohibition. If it's not in the context of Yibam, that would be viewed as a prohibition. But Vivka Be'isra after that's a violation of, of marrying your brother-in-law. El Alav, not marrying, but having uh, marital relations with your brother-in-law, sexual relations. Avalotachlots Amai. Why can't, okay, so you can't do Yibam, but at least do Chalitza. Why can't she do Chalitza? Let her do Chalitza with the brother-in-law, and then she should be able to marry whoever she wants, because as the Gemara, as the Gemara terms, uh, in either way, either they had children, and then she certainly can marry whoever she wants, or if Leah didn't have children, and then there's an obligation to do Yibam or Chalitza, well, Rachel, who stayed behind, she's doing Chalitza now. So then she, after she does Chalitza, she should be able to marry whoever she wants. So the Gemara says, I understand uh, why you cannot do chalitza during the nine months, and then also you're not allowed to get married within nine months during the nine months. So that is a case of uncertainty. Meaning during the nine months itself, I understand why even if you did chalitza, um, you are not allowed to marry. The reason why you're not allowed to marry within the nine months is because maybe she's actually, it's not that she had kids and it's not that she didn't have kids, but it's that she's pregnant. Right now she's pregnant at the time that you're doing Chalitza. If she's pregnant, Leah, who's afar, we don't know where she is, but she's overseas. And uh, she, Leah is pregnant. So Rachel cannot do Chalitza <coughs> and get married because let's say Leah has a child. And as we mentioned earlier, let's say if it's a healthy child, she's pregnant. And a few months later, she has a child. So then we say the Zika continues all the way until birth. So the Zika continues all the way until birth. So the Chalitza doesn't help. Rachel's Chalitza doesn't help because there's no room for Chalitza here. She has a child. But the point is the Zika remains. The Zika continues until Leah gives birth. And so therefore the Zika continues. Rachel now, uh, at least for nine months, for nine months from finding out about when her husband passed away, for nine months, she shouldn't be able to marry anybody. Uh, but at least according to Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says that Chalitza would work, wait until nine months, and then after nine months, wait nine months, you can do Chalitza right away, wait nine months, after nine months from finding out when her husband passed away, so then everything should be fine. Either she didn't have children, and even though she didn't have children, but at least Chalitza was done. Chalitza was done, and even if she had children, the children were, were already born. Nine months have passed. And so therefore the children were already born. So you could do Chalitza while she's pregnant, according to Rabbi Yochanan. And then you could get married after nine months. So it must be, the Gemara assumes at this stage, it must be that really there is, uh, that we do not follow the position of Rabbi Yochanan. This mission does not follow the position of Rabbi Yochanan because this would only work if you're able to do Chalitza while she's pregnant. Meaning, let us be concerned, maybe Leah is pregnant. Leah is overseas. Leah is pregnant. Uh, and the Gemara suggested, according to Rabbi Yochanan, do Chalitza during the, during the first nine months. And then she can marry after nine months. The fact that the Mishnah didn't make such a suggestion tells us that we do not follow the position of Rabbi Yochanan. 
It must be that you are not allowed to do chalitza while she is pregnant. And that's why you would have to wait until we know whether or not Leah has a child. Because the chalitza itself wouldn't help. But the Gemara rejects this proof. This is really not a proof. Because even according to Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish says, okay, fine, you're not allowed to do chalitza while she's pregnant. But according to Reish Lakish also, there's, there's a solution here. The Mishnah said that the only solution is to wait to see if she, has a, she had a child. We have to wait. It can take years to find out whether or not she had a child. Um, but according to Reish Lakish, the Gemara rejects, and it says according to Reish Lakish, even if you can't do chalitza while she's pregnant, everyone agrees that you're allowed to do chalitza after she's pregnant, meaning after there's a miscarriage, let's say, or uh, the baby was not a healthy baby and died shortly after childbirth, everyone agrees that to do chalitza after that would be perfectly fine. So even according to Reish Lakish, it's true you can't do chalitza while she's pregnant, but wait nine months, do chalitza, and then go ahead and get married. You could go ahead and get married. According to Rabbi Yochanan, you could do chalitza within the first nine months. Wait to get married after nine months. According to Reish Lakish, also, there's another solution. Besides for the solution of the Mishnah, which is you have to wait to find out if Leah had a child or not, but even without that, do chalitza after nine months. You have no idea whether or not Leah had a child, but do chalitza after nine months, because after nine months, certainly, she either has a child or she doesn't have a child, but she's not pregnant anymore after nine months. So if she had a child, you can marry whoever you want. If she didn't have a child, you're doing chalitza after nine months. So after nine months, you can do chalitza, and then you can marry whoever you want, even according to Rishon Lakish. But the Mishnah does not give that uh, option either. So the, and so the Gemara says, according to your, your reasoning, your logic, that according to Rabbi Yochanan, you should be able to do chalitza in the first nine months, I don't understand. Even according to Rishon Lakish, you should be allowed to do chalitza uh, after nine months, and then get married after after nine months. And yet the Mishnah doesn't say that. So why not? Why doesn't the Mishnah entertain this as a possibility? That you could do chalitza after nine months, or according to Rabbi Yochanan, while she's pregnant, and then get married after, uh, get married to somebody else after nine months. Why isn't this an option to do chalitza? So the Gemara answers as follows: The Mishnah left this out for the following reason, a very important reason. They both said, ben kayama because this is the concern. The concern is as follows. We will lead to the following scenario. Let's say she does chalitza, whether it's while she's, preg- while she's pregnant or after nine months, either according to Rabbi Yochanan or according to Rish Lakish. She does chalitza. Uh, and then she waits to get married after nine months. But let's say Leah was pregnant and she had a healthy child. So she had a healthy child. What does that mean if she had a healthy child? That means with regards to Rachel who stayed behind... Rachel now did not have to do chalitza. There was no need to do chalitza. Leah had a child. There was no need for Rachel to do chalitza, but she did chalitza anyways, just to uh, make it make sure that uh, that she knows that she's not not obligated to to uh, to do yibum. So she does chalitza, but she didn't really. In the end of the day, she did not really have to do chalitza because maybe the case is such where Leah has a healthy child. That means she didn't really have to do chalitza, which means now if she didn't have to do chalitza, the chalitza was really unnecessary. And now Rachel, who stayed behind, she's allowed to marry a Kohen. We mentioned in the past that, uh, that someone who does chalitza is not allowed to marry a Kohen because it's like a, it's a rabbinic law that they cannot marry a Kohen because it's some form of a divorce. It looks like a divorce, so they cannot marry a Kohen. But now, after she did chalitza, she now knows that she didn't really have to do chalitza. It was unnecessary. They already had a child. And so now she'll go ahead and marry a Kohen. So what do we have to do? We have to make an announcement to say, ah, oh, this person's allowed to marry Cohen. Don't get confused. 
Don't get confused. Don't think that she did chalitza and she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. No, her chalitza was really unnecessary. It didn't mean anything. It had no halachic significance. We would have to make such an announcement in order to allow her to marry a Kohen. The Gemara says, okay, fine. But, so then make the announcement. What's the problem? So make the announcement. Why, why can't she do chalitza because of this? Let us make the announcement. Let her do chalitza. Even a country like do chalitza after nine months. Then we'll make an announcement. Either way, either uh, Leah had a child, had a healthy child, and the, the chalitza was unnecessary, but we'll make an announcement that she could, Rachel is allowed to marry a Kohen. Or if she didn't have a child, so then she did chalitza after nine months, and she could go marry whoever she wants. She can't marry a Kohen, but she, be, she would be allowed to marry whoever she wants. But why can't we make such an announcement? So the more answer is a very important answer. Dilma ike inish dahavik bechalitza v'lo havik bechachraza v'aslameimar kashari chalitza l'kohen. The concern is, we don't want to make that announcement because the concern is there are people that might have heard about the fact that she did chalitza, but they didn't hear the announcement that the chalitza was really invalid or unnecessary without any halachic significance. And so people will think that it really was a good chalitza and they see now that she's married to a Kohen and they'll think, oh, somebody who did chalitza is allowed to marry a Kohen. We see that they are allowed to marry a Kohen. And people will not know and they'll, they'll get confused about the actual halacha, about the actual law. So in order to make sure... This is the, the first rejection uh, of, the, of the Gemara. In order to make sure that uh, we don't get confused and we don't come to think that somebody who did a chalitza is allowed to marry a Kohen, we don't want people to think that. So therefore we tell her, you are not allowed to do chalitza. You're not allowed to do chalitza. That's not a way out in this scenario. Because if you did chalitza, again, according to Rabbi Yochanan, even while Leah is pregnant, in the first nine months where she might be pregnant, we don't, we don't know, but she might be pregnant, uh, yeah, so even in a scenario where she might be pregnant, uh, and you, according to Rabbi Yochanan, the chalitza would work in the first nine months, or according to Rish Lakish, who says that you cannot do chalitza in the first nine months, but you could do chalitza after nine months, according to either opinion, in this scenario, you're not allowed to do chalitza. In this scenario, you cannot do chalitza because we are concerned that maybe, we don't know where Leia is, maybe Leia really had a child, the chalitza was really without any halachic significance, nobody's going to know, or at least some people won't know, because they won't hear the announcement that the second that the chalitza was really without any halakha significance, she might marry a Kohen, and then people will get confused. And we don't want it to lead to any confusion. We want everyone to know that someone who did chalitza is not allowed to marry a Kohen. And because of all this, we will say she's not allowed to do chalitza. She cannot marry somebody else until she actually knows with certainty. She has to know with certainty, with this is what the Mishnah said, that Leah either had a child or Leah did not have a child, and then she would have to go ahead and do Chalitza or Yibum. And that's the explanation of the mission, but it has nothing to do with Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish. Right? We're, je- we're rejecting what we thought to say. Originally, we thought to say that this Mishnah is proof to Rish Lakish, because according to Rabbi Yochanan, you could do Chalitza right away, and then uh, and they get married after nine months. The Gemara says, no, even according to Rish Lakish, you could do Chalitza after nine months, afterwards, but still. So why wasn't that, that suggested in the Mishnah? The answer is because we don't want people to get confused. Because it might be a scenario where they did a chalitza, the chalitza was unnecessary because Leah had a child, and then she'll marry a Kohen, and nobody will realize that uh, somebody who did a chalitza, they'll think somebody who did a chalitza is allowed to marry a Kohen, when in fact, that is not true. That is rejection number one. Now, rejection number two. Omar Leah Abaye. Abaye says to Rebbe Lazar, Midi lo tachlos velo tisyabim kitani? Lo tinozi velo tisyabim kitani? Abayi says back, if you look back at the Mishnah, what did you want to say? You wanted to say that this Mishnah is against Rabbi Yochanan because the Mishnah says that you're not allowed to do Yibam and you're not allowed to get married. 
Abayi says back, but it never says that you're not allowed to do chalitza. Your whole question was, according to Rabbi Yochanan, you should be able to do chalitza during the first nine months, even while she's pregnant, and then marry somebody after nine months. And Abayi says back, maybe that's actually true. You know what? Maybe that's actually true, uh, that she could do chalitza. The Mishnah doesn't say you can't do chalitza. The Mishnah just said you cannot do yibam and you cannot marry whoever you want. But if you did chalitza, maybe you could marry whoever you want. You're allowed to marry somebody who's not right outside of the family, not the brother-in-law. You would be allowed to if you did if you did a chalitza. And so therefore, the Mishnah could fit with Rabbi Yochanan. That really you could do chalitza while in the first nine months, even if she if she might be pregnant, because the chalitza would work, and then he, she could go ahead and marry somebody from the shuk, from the outside, uh, after nine months. Because the Mishnah never mentioned, never discussed chalitza. And that's the second rejection. What's interesting is, uh, this is just a side note, which inter- what's interesting is the difference between the first rejection and the second rejection. According to the first rejection, you're not allowed to do chalitza. You cannot do chalitza because we're afraid that it's going to lead to a circumstance where she'll marry a Kohen, even though the chalitza had no halachic significance, and people will start to get confused that uh, somebody who did a chalitza is allowed to marry a Kohen. Abaye is not concerned for that. He says you could do chalitza while she's pregnant, even if it'll come out that the chalitza is really not uh, not, a halach, not of any halachic significance because Leah had a child. Uh, Abaye says we're not, conf- we're not concerned that people will start to get confused. We'll make an announcement. Whatever it is, we'll make an announcement. People will realize that this was not a real uh, case of chalitza. But what's important between these two opinions, is that there are different cases that come up where uh, a woman is not allowed to marry a Kohen. And we can have different scenarios where it looks like she's not allowed to marry a Kohen, but really she's allowed to marry a Kohen. So there could be something, one example is something that we call Reach Aget. It looks like there was a Get. It has a smell of a Get, of a divorce document, but really it wasn't. In those scenarios, even though it wasn't a real divorce document, but we say that she shouldn't marry a Kohen because people will think, that a Kohen is allowed to marry a divorcee, when in fact it's not true. They're not allowed to marry a divorcee. So this has actual uh, halachic relevance, because we, we have to be concerned that even if somebody's allowed to marry a Kohen, if, there's, if it looks strange, uh, if it looks like she shouldn't be allowed to marry a Kohen, so therefore, then in such a scenario, uh, oftentimes we will say that they shouldn't get married anyways, because we don't want people to get confused. Anyways, one last line before we conclude for this recording. But there is a brisa in support of Rish Lakish. Tanya Kavasi de Rish Lakish. So we said there's no mission in support of Rish Lakish, but there is a brisa in support of Rish Lakish. A brisa from the times of the Mishnah. It says, mm-hmm. The brisa says that somebody who does chalitza to their sister-in-law while she's pregnant, and then she has a miscarriage, she has to do chalitza again. That is exactly, exactly like Rish Lakish. So there is a brisa in support of Rish Lakish, uh, which says that uh, the chalitza does not work, and so therefore we would require chalitza again, and that's what the Brisa says. And as we will see in the next recording, this is one of the places where we actually follow the opinion of Reish Lakish. The next recording will discuss other situations, really non-Yibam topics, where we follow the opinion of Reish Lakish. Uh, but this is one scenario, one area of Lacha, where we do follow the opinion of Reish Lakish.